0: It is uh, in Christ alone that we gather and celebrate on this Advent season as we're preparing for Jesus' birthday. We've been asking some questions as we prepare for Jesus' birthday, really trying to keep our focus on Christ and Christ alone. You know, who are the, the people that, that Jesus would invite? You know, what does what his guest list look like? Uh, and, and what are the, the gifts that he wants? What are the gifts that we would give to him? Well, today it's even more pointed about focusing on the birthday boy. Um, I've uh, been privileged to attend a few birthday parties in uh, my life, and one of my favorite places to go to a birthday party, no, it's not Chuck E. Cheese. Um, it's the Larsh House when we lived in Mobile, Alabama. Those of you that are um, fans of Henry Nouwen or have read any of Henry Nouwen's book or are familiar with uh, him, he um, popularized the, the, the large houses that are all around the world, actually, started by Jean Vanier, um, a, uh, a follower of Jesus who happens to be French. And they homes, they're Christian homes for adults. Uh, and they're, they're Christian homes for adults with a wide variety of intellectual capacities. From the, the lowest to the highest IQs. And they really are communities. They're, they're really communes where they share um, responsibilities, share resources with um, one another. And a, a number of the folks of the variety of IQs that lived at the large House down the street and around the corner... Um, from the church building um, where we were serving in Mobile, would come to church um, with us. So I got the privilege of being their pastor, and um, would go over to their birthday parties. And Harry would always invite me to his birthday party. Um, I liked Harry; he was fun. He would every Sunday morning would shuffle into my office and just give me a hug, and then shuffle off. Um, so I got to go to his birthday party. And there they had a great habit at this large house for their birthday parties. They would, they would take the person of honor. They, if it was Harry's day, the, the birthday boy, they, they, they would gather in a, a circle and Harry would, would be in the circle and then everybody would just have a chance to answer a few questions focused on Harry. Why are you glad Harry was born? You know, what, what are the things that you most enjoy, that you just love about Harry? And share your favorite hairy stories. And you know, after you went a couple times, you heard the same stories, but you laughed just as loud. And it was just as much fun um, just celebrating together. Oh, that's a great tradition. What if we did that for Jesus on his birthday? You know, what if we, we gathered around and we just sat in circles and we, we asked one another, you know, what, what are the things that, that you love about Jesus? Why, why are you glad that he was born? Yeah, and what are your favorite stories? What are your favorite Jesus stories? Well, let's take a little bit of time and uh, do that together. Let's pray. Gracious God, We thank you for Jesus, we thank you for this time, and we we pray that your spirit will be at work bringing to mind and bringing alive in our our soul just ways that we have encountered Jesus that have been meaningful, life-changing, and and joy-filled for us, Uh, ways that uh, we appreciate and enjoy you. Bring those to our minds as we celebrate his birthday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've been sort of living with this question. Why am I glad Jesus was born? You know, and I've only got so much time to be able to share it. You know, if you gave me all the time in the world, then I, you know, I'd just go on for a while, and you might say you tend to do that anyway. Um, but instead wanted just to sit with this. And, you know, and I wrestled with it for a while. This is one of those where I just wrestled, went back and forth and back and, and forth with. Um, and, and I think now uh, I, I've realized why, but we'll, we'll see. One of the reasons that has been most poignant for me, most pointed for me in the last couple days, that I'm glad Jesus was born. It's because I'm glad that God came in the flesh. I'm amazed and I celebrate the incarnation. You know, by by incarnation, carn, that word, the carn, that part of that word there, that's when we say carnivore. You know, that we like to eat meat. Well, carn is meat. God came in the flesh. He had meat on his bones. He didn't come in some other way. Separated from our human experience. He came and experienced the fullness of human life without an aesthetic. He experienced the fullness of humanity face first and full on. It absolutely amazes me that the God we were singing about, and what we were singing is true and real, that God is omnipotent, that he is powerful, that above and beyond all that we can ask or imagine, that's how large and how huge God is. But that God, in the birth of Jesus, became vulnerable. He is impenetrable. He cannot be moved unless he wants to, and yet that God chose to become vulnerable, being born into humanity just like you and I were. That absolutely astounds me and overwhelms me. That God, what that means for me is that God can relate, that God understands evil. Because he has experienced it face to face. He understands suffering. God chose to suffer. He chose to to have to be dependent. I mean, as an infant, he was dependent on his mother's milk. became real to me, especially this week, as we consider all that happened in Connecticut, and the innocent suffering, the children and their families and their community faces you know as the, as I reflected on being in Iraq just a, less than a month ago and meeting In in hearing of, and meeting some, of the thousands of families in hundreds of villages that had their husbands, fathers, and sons drug out of their villages in the middle of the night, never to be seen again. Thousands of men this happened to. Under the, the reign of Saddam Hussein and his vengeance on the Kurds. And just now, they're finding their bones buried in mass graves in southern Iraq and they're exhuming them and identifying them and burying them back, carrying them back and burying them in their proper graves in their villages. And, and as I visited a Syrian refugee camp with 40,000 people, 40,000 people, and that's just a piece of the over quarter of a million people, Syrians, who in the midst of the civil war over the last year have been run from their homes, had to leave some their country, and are living in tents all around Syria. I mean, to, to consider the suffering of our world can be overwhelming But it's even more overwhelming to me to recognize and realize that Jesus entered into that pain and that suffering. That He can relate to our anxiety, our fear, our terror. The the events of the Incarnation and Christmas are absolutely mind-boggling to me. If I were God, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't have the guts. I wouldn't have the courage. I wouldn't have the humility to leave the protection of that power. But God became human and hungered, felt hunger pains. God became human. And had his diaper changed. Couldn't change his own diaper. God. When God was cut, pierced, he bled. Amazing that God would be willing to enter into our pain. To enter into the suffering of this world. I'm glad that Jesus was born. I'm I'm glad that that, that God was not only willing to enter into that pain, but then to live through it. To to live through it and and to live a life of basic humility. I mean, consider the events of Christmas Day. This is God, the creator of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Now, again, if I'm God, King of kings, Lord of I'm going to choose a little different birth story. I'm going to be born in a place with a little more protection, a little better medical care. I might even waited a couple thousand years. But God of the universe is born to this no-name couple, questionable relations, in this no-name village, and laid to rest his first night in the feeding trough of some unknown animal. That's how God was born. He entered into the pain and suffering, the reality of human existence in utter humility. And his life really wasn't much different. I mean, he really didn't accomplish much in his own life, humanly speaking, from the world's point of view. He didn't write a book. He didn't invent anything. He didn't discover anything. And even when he would draw a crowd or two because he, turned, um, he took a few loaves and fish and turned it into a huge meal, he would then tell them, all right, y'all go home. Time to go home, and by the time he died, you know, he really hadn't traveled much either. You know, pretty much his Christmas card every year, his Christmas picture was about the same. You know, it was Jesus and a few knuckleheads around the Sea of Galilee. You know, that was it. He only had one little excursion where he got to go visit Egypt, but that was only when he was about 18 months old, and that was... A great example in the Christmas story of the evil suffering that he was entering into and making himself vulnerable to. And it was because this crazy King Herod had heard through the Magi, through the grapevine, had heard from others that this king had been born and King Herod wanted to kill him. So he slaughtered all the children, two years old and under, in that general area, in his crazed state. And... So, Mary and Joseph took Jesus and they, as refugees, went to Egypt. That was his lone out-of-country experience. So that is how God entered into the world. I am so thankful for that in every way. Not only to enter in the worst of sufferings that we know Jesus has been there, but In the normal life of humanity, Jesus has been there. He's experienced it, and he's experienced it as fully human. Turn to Isaiah 53, and we'll read even more uh, about this uh, from him. It's found on page uh, 596. This is Isaiah sharing this truth about Jesus. Sharing it um, hundreds of years before Jesus was born. But knowing that, listen, if God's going to come visit, God's going to come rescue the world, you're going to need to know that this is not like the plan we would make. You know, Jesus did not come like Clint Eastwood. You know I mean? Just sort of walk on a horse from far in the desert. And then he just shows up, the man from nowhere, to save the day. Uh, uh, born from this teenage mother in this no-name village, lived a life, humanly speaking, worldly speaking, of not much great accomplishment. Matter of fact, when he was dead, and when he was dying on the cross, only had just a couple hanging around the periphery of the crowd, and the rest were scattered. Deserted him, denying him, even betraying him. I'm so thankful Jesus was born and lived like that so that we can relate and He relates to us. All right, Isaiah 53. He who has believed what we have heard and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For He grew up before Him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Do you get that? This is what God. This is what Isaiah is saying about the one to come. What he's telling us is he wasn't even good looking. That's what he says. You know, not only did he not have uh, royalty, didn't have wealth, didn't have this grand education. He wasn't even good looking. He wouldn't have even made it as a model or in an ad. He was that plain. I'm so glad that Jesus was born to tell us what really is important. And to fully engage in our human experience. He was despised and rejected by others. A man of suffering and acquainted with infirmity. And as one from whom others hide their faces, he was despised and we held him of no account. Now, he, he knows innocent suffering, he knows it. And he's been there, and that was the plan. Surely. He has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted Him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the punishment that made us whole. And by His bruises we are healed. All we like sheep... Have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By a perversion of justice he was taken away. Who could have imagined his future? For he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and his tomb with the rich, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. What a a picture of of Jesus. What what I'm most amazed by Jesus is his humility and, and a confident humility at that. As as I've mentioned already, I mean, his birth situation and his life situation, but it wasn't, and and yet he was capable of so much more. (laughs) Humanly speaking, worldly speaking, and yet he lives for us, facing the unjust suffering that he faced, uh, undeterred by those who opposed him and by those who, who thought they were helping him, wanting to do more than he was doing. Because he was committed to the way of the Father. He trusted in the Father. I mean, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was sweating blood, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was crying out, Father, take this cup from me. See, that's his humanity right there. You see, it's not, he, he, he did not have anesthetic, no epidural, you know, no Novocaine. He was fully human, and so he faced human suffering head on. And it comes out there, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will, but yours be done. I'm amazed and overwhelmed. So much love, the Jesus confident humility into which he lives. I'm glad he was born. Glad he was born in the flesh to experience pain and evil and suffering. I'm glad he was born so that he could die for our sin, so that he could he could die, take our suffering, he could take the wrath of God upon himself in our place. That he could show us the way to live with him in that same confident humility, trusting in the Father. That he could relate to the pain that we face. And that he can show us that God is greater than that pain. That God is greater even than the most horrific act of innocent suffering we could experience. Because that's what his death was. Totally innocent suffering. And yet, through that act of innocent suffering, he brings about the rescue of the world. He he, he brings about Jesus' resurrection from the dead and the very salvation that we celebrate every time that we gather. He shows us that there is a way through it and beyond. Whatever the evil, whatever the terror whatever the pain, he shows us the way through. And he shows us that he's there and that he's on the other side. That's why I'm glad Jesus was born. What about you? What are the reasons that you're glad Jesus was born? What, what are your favorite things about Jesus? I asked the uh, ushers to distribute uh, just a little exercise for you that might help you just re- recount some stories with Jesus. Go ahead. Y'all go ahead and distribute them. And it's just a little sheet of paper. It's just a little timeline. On one side, here's an example. Uh, on the other side, it's just a, a line that represents your life. You know, beginning is at the, to the far left. End is at the far right. You know, just as you look at that line, as you consider... Jesus' life with you, you know, what, what are the events in our life? What are the events that you most appreciate, that, that you, you most uh, love, that you remember as deep encounters with him? That's ways of simply honoring the birthday boy and sharing what you love about him in your life. Now, there there may be some of you here who don't know Jesus. You're just here because it's Christmas and your family's coming and you're supposed to come to church um, on some Sunday during around Christmas. Uh, I I encourage you simply to hang out with Jesus. I I can speak for myself and for many others that, that I've found my relationship with him to be of the greatest depth. And the one place that I can go in the midst of such confusing suffering, innocent suffering and pain that we've I- encountered as a, a nation and that you see around the world. And maybe there are others of you here that you've been going to church your whole life, but you still don't know Jesus. You take this sheet of paper and you're like, I don't know what to put in it. Yeah. I'll give you the same word to, to those that don't know. Them. Just then, just hang out with Jesus. Just grab a, a Bible. Um, find the, the books Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Yep. read one of them. They, they tell the story of Jesus. Just read through that. Hang out with that, and, and then at the end, just jot down what are the think. What are your favorite stories? What do you love about him? What do you really find intriguing. Let's honor the birthday boy. Invite you as we sing this uh, next song, that you, you sit with that for a little bit. And just as different things come to mind, as the Spirit comes to mind or whatever, just different events in your life or different things that you love about, just jot those down. And give honor to the birthday boy.